brothers and sisters in Christ, how are you today? You're listening to St. Mark Bemidji's podcast, a podcast about redemption through the glory of Christ Jesus, our risen Savior. This podcast isn't made for idle people. You could just sit there and listen. And I do hope that you take the time to listen and take the message to heart. But you can do so much more. You can share it with someone else. Why? So more people will listen to the podcast? So I can get a little plaque from YouTube? Uh, Hardly. If I wasn't moved by the Spirit to help spread the gospel to everyone I meet, I'd quit doing this program tomorrow. I got somebody's got to mow the lawn, right? But spreading the gospel is the most loving thing anyone can do in this life. And I'm going to keep doing it until I can't do it anymore. If you find this message useful, pass it along to anyone. Sit and listen to it with them. Talk about it. Have you ever thought about what your work is as a Christian? No, I don't mean what you volunteer for at church. Whatever it is. And by the way, thank you for doing it. It's important. But what I mean is, what is your work as defined by God? Did Jesus say, Therefore, go out and convince all nations, convincing them to get baptized in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and guilting them into obeying everything I have commanded you. And good luck, I'll be back to you at the end of the fourth quarter. No, not quite. Our work is quite a bit different. We're messengers. We have a message. It's the same message that the prophets carried before Christ. It's the one that John the Baptist proclaimed on the shores of the Jordan River, and the same message the apostles carried to the early churches in Judea and the world of the Mediterranean. It's an urgent message. In Acts 2, verse 38, Peter called out on that first Pentecost when the Holy Spirit moved them, and he said, Then Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. It's a call. It's a plea. A plea of compassion, reflecting the compassion of the Father, who is not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. But it's just a call. It's not coercion. Some will not ever heed that call. But that doesn't mean we shouldn't be persistent with those who refuse. But also, it's not our work to change the hearts of the unbelievers. That is the work of the Holy Spirit. So don't be disheartened when you don't see results right away. Learn the message. Stay in the Word. You'll never run out of material to study this side of the grave. Be the faithful messenger and spread the Word to everyone you know so you'll know how the verse really goes. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always, to the very end of the age. Matthew 28, verse 19-20 Our sermon for today comes to us from Timothy Church, and was penned by Pastor Allard. Since you've already got your Bible out to fact-check me, why don't you turn it to Isaiah chapter 40, verses 27 through 31, and follow along as he reads the scripture for today's meditation. 
The word of God before us comes from our first lesson, Isaiah chapter 40, we read. Why do you complain, Jacob? Why do you say, Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord, my cause is disregarded by my God? Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary. In his understanding, no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. So far, the word. In the hallowed halls of Hezekiah's opulent palace, King Hezekiah of Judah, a ripple of anticipation, it courses through the air of that palace because there's emissaries from the mighty king Marduk Baladan. They just arrived. They just walked through the front gates of the palace. And they're arriving with diplomatic correspondence. They're arriving even with gifts. It seems they heard that King Hezekiah just recovered from a horrible illness. So they're coming to congratulate him on his recovery. And Hezekiah showcases his troves of gold, silver, and the exotic treasure that are within his storerooms. And his armory, the weaponry, is a testament to the military might of Judah. And it gleams, those weapons, under the gaze of foreign eyes as they very carefully look at those weapons. You see, King Hezekiah is hoping, hoping to gain an ally against their current enemy, which is Assyria. And so he's very glad to have these emissaries from the Babylonian king. And also, it's very logical then that a demonstration of might and majesty is very much in order. Soon enough, the Babylonian emissaries are on their way back home and it's done. But without warning, the prophet Isaiah comes into the court of King Hezekiah and he asks the king, those emissaries of Marduk Baladan, what did you show them? But everything, King Hezekiah says, with a little bit of a note of pride. And Isaiah then foretells of a day when all of that military might and all of those treasures are reduced to nothing or ransacked and taken to Babylon. And even the descendants of King Hezekiah himself will one day serve as servants, slaves of the king of Babylon. And Hezekiah responds in kind of a surprising but good way. He says, the word of the Lord that you have spoken, Isaiah, is good. But inside his head, the king is thinking, at least those things won't happen in my lifetime. Now what you just heard, that took place in the chapter right before the verses I just read. And if King Hezekiah had wanted to be the complaining kind of guy for the fact that there's going to be a Babylonian invasion that's going to reduce his kingdom to nothing, 
If he had wanted to complain, whose fault was it? It was his own fault for showing those emissaries everything that his kingdom had. Well, today, as we think about this idea of complaining, which is mentioned right at the start of our lesson, let us be radicals. Let us be radically different than the world. Instead of complaining, hope. Hope. Allow me to read verse 27 again, just to put front and center the problem that it seems all humanity has, not just the Israelites. Why do you complain, Jacob? Why do you say, Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord? My cause is disregarded by my God. Isn't it funny how everybody gets religion whether then or today, suddenly a God exists. Even if they were died in the world atheists, suddenly God exists when I need somebody to complain against. Everybody gets religion when they want to complain. But the Israelites, you could say very simply, they were complaining because, what? The Assyrian military was making inroads into Israel to the north, which was a buffer that protected Judah to the south. And it seemed Israel was going to lose. They were complaining. God is ignoring us. But why do we complain? Well, one instance of complaining, I think there is probably thousands of reasons, is the people around me have too much. And I'm not just talking about things, material things. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about here. Raw intellectual gifts that they were born with and you were not, and you were angry with God because you don't have it. Or the people around me are born with too little. Again, too little up here. Is everybody an idiot except me? Am I the only one who understand the times and understand the dangers to our society and our church? So we complain. Because nobody else gets it. I just gave you one example of the reasons that we complain. But that's just one. I'm going to say that all of our reasoning for complaining boils down to this. Why, knowing all the suffering that was going to come in the course of human history, why, God, did you ever create us in the first place? Have you ever thought that question? And for that matter, God, since I'm complaining to you, and it seems you're listening and not striking me with a bolt of lightning, why did you allow us to have free will so we could lose paradise? And why don't you just give us paradise back right now, this instant, before pastor finishes his sermon? When we take the accusation, God, aren't you ignoring us? Doesn't it seem that way? God, aren't you ignoring the United States of America? Two New York cops getting beaten up by people who are committing a crime just by being in our country. Much less beating up cops. And they get right out of jail? If an American citizen did that, where would we be still rotting in jail? God, aren't you ignoring the United States of America? But I could answer that 
with the question God provides in our lesson, which again, why do you complain, Jacob? Why do you say Israel? Let's take the patriarch that God just named, Jacob. What was Jacob like? I'm going to keep this as a very tight summary, but he was a con man. He conned his brother Esau out of the birthright, which would mean his descendants would one day be, one day would come the Messiah. Even though God said he was going to do that for Jacob, Jacob did it in his own time. Because God wasn't smart enough, you see. And then Jacob had to run for his life up to his uncle Laban in the north in Haran, and he cons Laban. Never mind the fact that his uncle Laban conned him right back, he conned his uncle Laban as well. And then instead of learning from his dad, he proceeds to have children, and he has two wives, and he favors the one and not the other. He ignores his, the brothers, his children, and favors Benjamin and especially Joseph and gives him that beautiful coat. Who is capricious? Who favors? Who are the ones who ignore? It's not God. Jacob and his children, Israel. That is why the Old Testament history, if you want to call it boring, the reason it is so boring is because God keeps coming back to his people and trying to bring them back to life, to eternal life. And they keep ignoring him. And if God were to be, as the Israelites accused him of, ignoring, growing weary, Maybe they thought he slept like false gods do. The results of that would go so far beyond him just ignoring the plight of his people Israel. It would be this. I quote from Colossians chapter 1. He, Jesus Christ, is before all things, and in him all things hold together. If God were to grow weary and rest, the fabric of reality itself would unravel and cease to exist. It is not too much to say that not just nothing will exist, none of us will exist anymore. It'll be like we were just a dream. God does not grow weary. There is a verse that says, I do not show favoritism, says God. But we do. And I would highlight, especially, we grow weary and tired. We are limited. And the most powerful example of those limits I bring to you from Ecclesiastes chapter 3, which says, God has made everything beautiful in its time. And he has also set eternity into the human heart. We desire eternity above all else, but we know we can't. We die. And it's true even for the youths. Even for the strongest among us, they grow weary and they die. Like green boots. It's a nickname. Green boots. An Indian man who climbed Mount Everest. It was back in the year 1996. And that's the nickname that he has. It seems that his real name, people think, was Tsawang Paljor was supposed to be his real name. But he lies near a cave, way up on Mount Everest, so far up there. And Green Boots met his end 
after he got separated from the rest of his climbing party, and he had no idea where they were, so he found an overhang, and he sat there, right? I guess you're supposed to hold your torso to keep the heat in. And he sat there shivering until he died. More than 200 people have died in their attempt to climb Mount Everest. And so the living now, almost like a ritual, pass by the frozen, preserved corpses of the dead. And they have now become, I kid you not, literal markers for climbers to know how far, how far away the summit of the mountain is. And so Green Boots earned his nickname because you can still see his green boots. The strongest, fittest, grow weary and die. But, I quote, Those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength and they will soar on wings like eagles. Oh, my dear friends, I could say, dear Israelites, dear fellow Americans, we are so wrong to ever think that God grows weary, much less ignores us. No, this is the same God who, did you hear it? He dropped the name, Lord, all caps. We just studied about this in our Bible study last Thursday. This is the unchanging one. And that's the same name that Jesus dropped during his ministry. Allow me to quote it for you. John chapter 8, Jesus said to his fellow Jews, Your father Abraham rejoiced at the thought of seeing my day. He saw it and was glad. You are not yet 50 years old, they said to Jesus, and you've seen Abraham. Very truly, I tell you, Jesus answered, before Abraham was born, I am. That's the name, the Lord, the unchanging one. Wait, what? The same one who was standing in front of the Jews was the same God who was at Mount Sinai? This is the God. And he's not just eternal. He says in this short lesson, I created everything, even the ends of the earth. You see, God is not just powerful. He is super abundant in his energy, so much so that he could share it, even with the weakest of his creatures, and renew their strength. And so he says, you will be like... Eagles soaring on wings, like an eagle. Have you ever seen people who do the parachute flying? You look like a flying squirrel. There's no wings, no engines, no props, just you and the sky in this flimsy little suit. Jump out of a plane. It's the closest thing to flying human beings will ever be. I'm willing to bet, even though if the idea terrifies you, I'm willing to bet it's exhilarating. And horrifying, but exhilarating at the same time. Watch a video on it. It's awesome just to watch it. So God says, you will soar on wings like eagles. I don't care if we literally do that in heaven or not. An eagle is the strongest apex predator in the sky, able to fly high above every danger. That's you. And we might say, well, that sounds great, God. That's the future. And it must be so nice, God, being in heaven in perfection when you don't understand what it's like for us down here in the muck, in the front lines, in the trenches, being tempted. God doesn't understand. Right back to that accusation. 
God ignores, he doesn't see. Doesn't the cross demonstrate he entered a darkness that no one ever has? Total abandonment by his father. There's a name for such a place. And Jesus went there. So next time we say, Jesus, you don't get what it's like to be here down in the muck, he can say, I went down and under and past the muck to a level of darkness you cannot understand, all because I want you to be the one to soar on wings like eagles and to be the one who will see when the creator does it again, when he creates the new heavens and don't forget the new earth. And I'll very briefly say there's two schools of thought on this, but i got to say it. But one school of thought is heaven is not yet complete. It will be completed and be created, the new earth, once Judgment Day happens. Let's just go with that for now. And if that's the case, Jesus is going to say to his daughters and his sons, Now watch. Let there be light. And you will see the first rays of light hit those far green hills. And you'll be able to run down those hills. What does our lesson say? It says it. They will soar, they will run, they will walk and not be faint. You will be able to run down those hills and then fall and roll the rest of the way down and jump up and laugh at the sky. A literal fulfillment of what God is promising. (coughs) Dear friends, should we be surprised then when we see this energy and even the weakest and the oldest among us, among us, energy in them, where they say, I've got this hope in the Lord. Don't feel sorry for me. I'm not saying we always feel that way when we're older, but we have those days. And don't be surprised when the oldest or weakest among us say, I am so ready to meet my Savior. That is Jesus' energy right there. That is hope. It's natural, yes, to feel weird. It is even to be overwhelmed by the struggles, uh, the uncertainties of life. I mean, there are so, so many uncertainties. And when the next time comes, maybe it's right now while you're sitting here. I don't know. Shift your focus. It's going to come by reading the word and hearing it. Shift your focus away from your own limitations. That's the struggle. But with the energy of God, we do this and shift it to the limitless power of your creator God, the unfailing love of your God. Because in our waiting and while we are waiting, God is still working. In our weariness, God is renewing us. So as we trust in him and as we wait upon him and wait for the fulfillment of his promises, He has promised us a strength that goes beyond our own. A strength that is in you, even now, but will mature into a power that will blow our minds. The power to not die. Let that truth take root in your hearts today, dear friends. Dear brothers and sisters of Timothy, God's strength is more than enough for whatever is coming. And for whatever you face, hope, hope in the Lord. Until the day you soar.
Amen. I sincerely pray that today's meditation on God's Word has enriched you. Didn't get enough of God's Word? Are you missing out on that in-person fellowship? We hold divine services right here in Bemidji, Minnesota at 8 a.m. and 10.30 a.m. on Sunday mornings. Sunday school and adult Bible study is also offered between our Sunday services at 9.15 a.m. We also live stream our Sunday divine service at 8 a.m. You can ensure that you are notified when a stream is live or a new podcast is available by subscribing to our YouTube channel. It's easy to find by typing in St. Mark Bemidji in the search bar and clicking on the subscribe button. Want to listen to meditations the way I do every day? Subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast app. Go to podcastindex.org and search for St. Mark Bemidji to find us. This is our fifth year producing this podcast, and there is a large archive of devotional material online available if you want to learn more about God and His Word. Visit www.stmarksbemidji.org or look in the show notes in this podcast for a link to this and many other meditations on God. If you have any questions or you would like more information about our church and its ministry, please visit our website, which is once again www.stmarksbemidji.org. May God bless the rest of your day.